A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to Achtung Law, broadcasting from the beautiful South Berlin, except no Hello dear listeners, welcome to Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart, you're listening to a midweek mashup show featuring a random fixture from the past, which neatly segues into uh, an email that I've received from Dean T., uh, headline John Berylson. Uh, thank you to Dean for emailing me. Um, good afternoon, Podfather, he says. Podfather. Um, good to hear you're keeping yourself well. A week without listening to your dulcet tones is a week that is a lost week. That's very kind of you, Dean. Um, and we can do without them, he says, when we get past 50. We can do without lost weeks over the age of 50. I can tell you that much, dear listeners. Um, long may they continue, even if it's talking about mill stuff you've seen on eBay, or as we'll come on to later on in the show, mill stuff that's uh, pictures that have been sent to me by our second email of the week, Matt Richards. We'll come back to you, Matt, in a little bit, because first we have Dean's thoughts on John Barrelson to consider, and then a random fixture that does, as I've already said, neatly segue into his into his theme here. So anyway, Dean says, I'm just listening to your latest episode of podcast, and I thought of something, play of the season, well, what about all of us chipping in and getting a present for John Berylson, not off of eBay, he says, maybe something like a golden lion statue, wow, uh, or a roaring lion on a football, to be fair, he's been a tremendous chairman for this football club, don't really know where we'd be without his input and money, and that's the bit that's going to come back on our random fixture, listeners. John's input and money over the years. Um, probably too late to give him a presentation this season, but I'm sure it's doable for something next season, perhaps the first home game. Uh, Mr. Berylson deserves the recognition from our supporters, and I would 100% contribute to show my appreciation of the man. All the best. Take care and keep roaring, says Dean. Thank you for that, Dean. That's an interesting um, idea. I think it's something that will be best served um, if it's possible, via the uh, the offices of the Mill Supporters Club, the MSC. Uh, possibly something that um, they might want to take up the cudgels with. I don't know. I will forward on that suggestion to the MSC and see what they think. Um, and I'd be interested to hear what other listeners think about the idea of some form of um, recognition of whatever kind for John Berylson, um, who joined us, of course, in the era just prior 
to the random fixture show that I've chosen for you today. As I say, it's a bit of a me- bit of a mashup this this show. So apologies on lurching from one thing to the other. But Don, uh, Dean's Dean's suggestion teams up nicely with uh, this particular season. The random number that came out of the uh, of the uh, internet was two thousand and eight. So uh, a fixture for the twelfth of April two thousand and eight is the one that we've chosen today. Hartlepool United nil, Millwall 1 in League 1. That was played on April the 12th, 2008 in front of 4,077 at Hartlepool's. I was just about to call it Hartlepool's Victoria Park, listeners, when I'm checking actively on the internet as I'm speaking to you, and it's now called the Suit Direct Stadium. <laughs> I think I prefer Victoria Park, to be honest. Um, but any road, let's call it Victoria Park, not the Suit Direct Stadium. Um, so Hartlepool's Victoria Park played in uh, in April 2008, 14 years ago, listeners. Can you believe that? 14 long years ago. How time flies. So a 1-0 win for the Lions as we were fighting uh, in a relegation dogfight, in truth, in this particular 2007-2008 season. Manager Kenny Jackett joined us in November of 2007. And did a job of turning our form around sufficient for us to survive this particular, um, you know, dogfight season as it was. We'd finished 17th in League One on 52 points, uh, a few points ahead of Gillingham who were relegated. Uh, It was a close run thing in truth. It was one of those seasons where we had a couple of them. We had one in 2005-06. In 2007-8 was uh, Willie, Willie Donerkey, we began the season in, in the management role. He would leave us um, 40-odd, 45 players used in the course of that of this season, 2007-8. to eight. Top scorers, uh, Gary Alexander and Jay Simpson, who I'm going to come back to in this little report, with eight goals each, just as your top scorer for the season. That says speaks volumes, doesn't it? When your top scorers are coming in with just eight goals, over the season, but this was a very welcome one-nil win over over Hartlepool. Um, it actually meant that we would um, go four, five points clear of Gillingham, who would, as I've said, already be eventually relegated, along with uh, Luton Town, who are rock bottom of the, of the league, were suffering with a fifteen-point uh, penalty for uh, financial jiggery pokery, which that would actually take them out in the league eventually, wouldn't it? And they've made a Pretty strong comeback, currently sitting above us in the in, in the playoff spots. Uh, Port Vale, Gillingham. And here's how football turns. Bournemouth, AFC Bournemouth, relegated to League Two at the end of a season where Millwall would survive by skin of our teeth um, in the end. Four points clear of, of Bournemouth. 48 points to Mills, 52. We'd finish in 17th position. We actually went mathematically clear of relegation with a 3-0 win over Carlisle. Um, just our second to last fixture of the season. So that's how close it was for Kenny in his first campaign as Mill manager. The Mill starting 11 in this 1-0 win at Hartlepool. This is going to take you back a little bit, listeners. It's 14 years. It somehow, to me, it seems like a, another planet when you look at some of these names. In goal for the Lions, this particular away win is Reese Evans. Um... I, I remember the name. I can't picture Reese Evans being in goal, but he was... Um, in goal, the season began with Lenny Pidgeley in goal, but we would complete with Reese Evans as our goalkeeper. The back line this particular day, Marcus Bignot, uh, Tony Craig, Paul Robinson, Danny Sender, 
Uh, a five-man midfield, Ali Fusaini. Do you remember him? Ali Fusaini. Dave Martin, Dartford Dave. Jem Karakan, Mark Laird. Jay Simpson, who we've mentioned already as a top scorer. He would score the goal that would win this particular fixture. And up front, Bass Savage for the Lions. Goal, goal scorer, as we've said, Jay Simpson on 10 minutes. A valuable, a valuable win for the Lions that would, in actual fact, give us a bit of breathing space over Gillingham. Um, but for this win, we'd have been two to two points clear of them as it was. This win took us five points clear. Um, we would make heavy weather of survival. But I think that first season for Kenny Jacket, where he kept us in League One, I, I, I have a sense that League Two would have been a disaster for our club in terms of uh, survival as, as an entity. John Berylson had not long joined us. And, you know, we'd yet to develop a relationship with John. I think, you know, I think he would say that, um, you know, over the years, the, the kind of mutual uh, love and respect has, has been developed and built uh, to the point now where, as we've said already, as Dean T said, you know, we can, we can talk in terms of him being arguably Mill's greatest chairman. Um, but certainly at this point, it was very, very early in that relationship and relegation to League Two. Would have been an utter disaster. Um, as it was, Kenny Jacket kept us free of that that fate and would eventually triumph at Wembley in, in 2010. Um, five and a half years Kenny spent in charge of the Lions. He must go down as one of our stronger top five managers, top top ten managers, certainly. Um, came to us in, in uh, November 2007. Would leave us in the aftermath, I think, in my opinion. Uh, speculation of the Wigan FA Cup semi-final shenanigans in 2013. Five and a half years in charge of the Lions. Great manager. Um, as we've said already, it's, it's a sign of a chaotic season when you've used over 40-odd players. Some of the names in the squad for this particular season are... They, they, they raise your eyebrows. I mean, some of the names that have long slipped from your memory... Um, others, I just can't remember. I mean, Reese Evans played 22 times for us in goal, and I can't picture him. Can you, listener? I can't picture him. Um, we have names like Andrew Callahan, who was a non-playing subject. I don't remember his existence. Um, Tom Kilby. Remember him? I don't. Um, one one appearance as a substitute. Uh, Gary Bowes. Uh, wow. They, Jamie O'Hara. Scott Barron, Tom Brighton, and so on and so forth. It was, um, but also some great names. Um, Neil Harris, Gary Alexander, and a certain Lewis Graben lurking in there with three goals from 11 starts in the season. So there we are. It's a strange mishmash of a show, but I'm going to take a look at a couple of names from that 11. Jay Simpson was the first one that I wanted to look at if I may, listeners, as uh, a, a joint top scorer for the Lions, along with Gary Alexander. 62 games in two spells for Millwall J. Simpson, an Arsenal uh, loanee when he came to us in 2007, and then he came back again to the 2011-2012 season, um, again as, as a loan um, one of those players you'd say is, is much travelled. I always felt he was a better player than somehow he showed for, for the Lions. 62 games and 12 goals over those two two spells. Born in Enfield in 1988. His career took in Arsenal, which was probably the um, 
you know, we, we, we've mentioned a few players since um, who have like an associated glow of having played for big clubs. Lee Martin's one that always springs to my mind. Um, some might even put Oliver Burke in that category. Um, in the current squad, Jay Simpson came from Arsenal. Um, he's been to West Brom, Queen's Park Rangers, Hull City, Millwall, obviously. And then on to Thailand, Leighton Orient, the Philadelphia Union in the USA, and that's going by the Who's Who report he's playing in Cyprus near Salamina in 2019. Uh, a former youth, Engl- youth England youth international, a product of the Arsenal Youth Academy. Uh, Jay was the first player to score a hat-trick at the Emirates Stadium. Um, he was loaned to Millwall for some first-team ex- experience in 2007 and was voted the Fans Player of the Season for League One. That's not Player of the Season, that was Paul Robinson for us, for Millwall. That would be like a, a League One fans vote, fans player of the season. Uh, his second spell coming in 2011 um, from uh, from Hull City after he helped them to win promotion to the Premier League um, in 2013. Um, he's now playing in Cyprus, it says, um, when, when this was, uh, was, was first produced. Um, a good player. I like Jay Simpson. And as I said, I think he always had a bit of a sense of... Um, you know, what could have been uh, for us, certainly. Um, a slightly different category, I suppose. I'm going to look at Bass Savage. Um, because part of Kenny Jackett's um, search for a big, powerful, physical striker up front. Bass Savage was part of a, of a succession of players, wasn't it, under Kenny over those five years, where Kenny tried to find the... Uh, I don't know, it's like the, like, the, like the elixir of youth from Millwall point of view, the, the big, fast striker that would get us goals. Um, Bass Savage was one experiment. It's just 11 uh, games for the Lions, two goals, 11, two goals from 11, 11 starts. He was born in Tooting in, in 1982, another uh, much-travelled striker, Walton and Hersham, Reading, Wickham, Bristol City, Gillingham-Berry, Brighton, Millwall, Tranmere, Dagenham, Northampton. Um, and as as the uh, the bio in the Who's Who book by Neil Fissler, our own Neil Fissler and Dave Sullivan, um, Baz was a striker who celebrated scoring his goals of a moonwalk, a Michael Jackson-style moonwalk. He joined Reading as they closed in on promotion from Division 2 in 2002, but then picked up an injury which keep him out of action for nearly a year. A series of moves around the bottom two divisions followed, and he arrived at the den from Brighton on a short-term deal. Journeyman Bass, it says here, played over 200 games in the Football League and ended his career with a long stint playing in Thailand. I think I remember Jay Simpson with more fondness than Bass Savage, but that's not to be disrespectful to Bass. He didn't really make that much of an impact, but I've picked him out today as one of those names from the past that you forget until you do a show like this, listeners, at which point they come flooding back. A player, my third choice from that starting 11 in this 1-0 win at Hartlepool, 12th of April 2008, is a player that I don't think any of us will ever forget. One Tony Andrew Craig, defender of the parish. Uh, Four stints for the Lions, uh, 2002 to 2007, 2008 to 2012, and then 2017 to 2018. Um, born in Greenwich in 1985, his career was actually quite a wide-ranging career, always um, revolving around coming back to Millwall 
Um, Millwall and Tony Craig are bound together, um, and I'm quite happy with that. He was a very, very popular player. He, he was a Millwall player through and through. Um, many was the manager that thought they could get along without him, and many was, you know, many was the Millwall voice that said we should be aiming for better than Tony Craig, rather like Alan Dunn, I think. He represented a certain committed type of blood and thunder, Millwall defender that we just love. It's, it's in the same, um, you know, from the same school of thought as Harry Cripps, uh, Kevin Muscat, uh, Danny we've mentioned, Craig. There have been many, many other players over the years, even Kitsch, in my opinion, players that would put themselves and their bodies on the line in support of the Millwall cause. And... Yes, maybe maybe some would um, question his, uh, you know, he, he never played at much of a higher level than, say, championship. Um, but he was player of the season with Brentford when he was sold to Brentford. He was immensely popular here. He was a schoolboy with Wimbledon. Um, just reading from the bio here, uh, given a debut by Mark McGee in the last but one game of the 2002-2003 season. Free season. And as it captures so a wholly committed and tenacious player who was a hugely popular figure with Mill fans, um, a, a figure in the 2010 triumph at Wembley, of course. And he would come back and captain and win this promotion again at Wembley in 2017, having become um, Brentford's player of the season in their promotion season when they were a third division side. Um, I think that's that's a tribute to a player of, of, of some, some achievement, in my opinion, and I've got a lot of time and respect for Tony Craig. And I don't think we've mentioned him um, terribly often on these podcasts over time. Um, and I'm just glad to be able to take the chance now to, to give him a shout-out because he's one of my favourite middle players. He's, you know, he, he, he would not be in the, uh, the, the, the kind of top category of great Millwall players, but he's very much in my second string of favourites, if that makes any kind of sense to you, dear listeners. So there we are. So that was the, the starting eleven. That was my selection of three players from this random fixture. Uh, Hartlepool nil, Millwall 1, played on the 12th of April 2008. I had a quick look through the news, what was going on in the news in 2008. It seems quite recent to me. Um, but it's actually 14 years ago. Silvio Berlusconi was voted Prime Minister of Italy. Rather unfortunate picture of Silvio in the Daily Mail. I'm looking at uh, making what appears to be a stiff-armed salute. Um, I think, what was his name? The the, uh, the West Ham player would have called it... Uh, what was his name? Forgot his name. A West Ham slag Italian bloke. What was his name? He reckoned that was a Roman salute, didn't he? So that, anyway, he's making a Silvio's making a Roman salute hmm, in this picture. Um, what, one um, other story caught my eye, made me laugh. A little known, well, a, a reasonably well-known New York property developer called Donald Trump has drawn up a prenup agreement with his ex-wife. A prenup? How can you drop a prenup with your ex-wife? Well, that would come before her. I would have thought Ivana Trump who is marrying an obscure Italian actor. We're back to Italy again. An obscure actor, 23 years her junior. Dirty cow. Uh, Rosano Rubicondi, age 36. Um, I don't know how he's doing it, Trump, but he's drawn up a prenup. Maybe it was prior to the... I don't know how it's working. 
on that front, listeners. So that's what's going on in the news. We also have a Labour government at this point, I've just seen. That shows you how long ago it is, listeners. Uh, Rumours that Jack Straw lost his rag and threatened to chin Ed Balls in Cabinet. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 2008, April 12th. On the Daily, Daily Mail. So it must be true, listeners, mustn't it? Um, brawling in the in the uh, cabinet room. You can't fight in here, it's the war room. Anyway, listeners, that's the first part of this, today's mashup show. Um, I'm hoping you're staying with it with me. I'm going to move on now to part two, which is a great email that I've had from Matt Richards, headed Nostalgic Stuff. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Achtung, Mailball. So um, we're going to look at this um, email that Matt sent me of some photos of some items. It, this relates to the little um, series of shows I did in some of the previous lockdowns, listeners, where we tried to look at items of Millwall interest and history selected either from um, photos that I've picked up over time or copied off the net or lifted. You know how it works. All that people have sent me. Uh, now here, Matt Richards is sending me some stuff. He says, hi, Nick. I uh, he just wanted to send me a um, a couple of items he found in his loft. And he's hoping that I am not responsible for any uh, Millwall fans out there searching through their lofts and drawing loft-related injuries. I hope not. Uh, be careful in those lofts, listeners, if you are going to send me stuff. Matt sent me a number of items in actual fact, listeners. And the first one he mentions is a present that he was given on his 18th birthday in, in uh, May 1987. A friend of his mum's. Um, it's a framed uh, series of three cuttings from a newspaper in 1934. One is a report from a game against Gillingham, played on the 17th of September, which was in fact a 3-2 win for the Lions, played 17th of September. 3-2 win over Gillingham. Goals by Roberts and two for Yardley, played in front of 8,877. A cutting for a report from that game, and there's a photo and also a photo of a game versus Bournemouth, which are interesting. But of more interest, he says, is a piece of card 
which has all the signatures and autographs of the Mill Squad of 1934-35. He says signatures rather than autographs. There is a difference, I think. You're right, Matt. Because they're not scrolls. They are proper signatures. Clearly, these players were not as used to signing things as players later were to do. I'm sure as to how these I- unsure as to how these items were obtained. I can only presume my mum's friend had these. Maybe given to them by a, fa- by a family. And because they knew I was a Millwall fan... They decided to frame them and give them to us. Quite a nice present, Matt. That's quite nice. I like that. It's only recent I've taken a keener interest in them and using the Who's Who book, I've been able to paint more of a picture of the players behind the signatures. Uh, yeah, we've been relegated in 33-34 and um, we'd started this season reasonably strongly. We'd actually finished the 1934-35 season. It's a mid-table side, so... Um, Relegation from Division 2 back to the 3rd Division South, as it was then. But we'd finish mid-table. Um, the league was actually won. Only one team would be promoted in these far-off times. Charlton would win the league and would be promoted to the 2nd Division, back from uh, where which we'd just fallen. Um, the next item on Matt's list is a signed football from the 1987 May 1987 squad. Uh, sounds like your mum has got some connections here, Matt. Another one of my mum's friends knew knew someone who knew Nicky Coleman. That's that's like three two shades of fame, isn't it? Re- removed, who knew Nicky Coleman and asked him to get this football signed. Um, this is the season before the promotion, so it has the likes of Michael Marks on there, but no Cascarino. But Johnny Docker signed it, um, and that, what he really likes about it is the personal aspect of it. They've all signed it. Uh, to Matthew, it's like an actual message written on there, you know. It wasn't the stock sign ball they had on the shelf, it was done for me, which makes it all the more special, says Matt. It's a bit deflated now, and the signatures are beginning to fade, which is my major worry. Keeping it in the loft for 30 years has probably helped with that. But I've decided to have it on show now in my study, so hopefully I can keep it away from the sun. I think that will be the, the key, Matt, keep it out of the direct sunshine. It's a great item signed by one of our great managers, um, Michael Marks is a great um, name name check there. I'm just gonna just gonna summon Michael Marks's um, entry in the Who's Who book up so I can relate it to you, listeners. 1986 to 88, 44 games for Millwall, uh, 11 goals from 44 games. Not a tremendously great return. Born in Waterloo, uh, local boy. Then 1968, his career covered Millwall, Mansfield Town on loan, Leighton Orient, and eventually Fisher. Athletic, he famously scored a hat-trick on his debut, didn't he? Um, what does the bio say? Michael was a powerful striker, released by George Graham, but was handed a second chance by John Doherty after George Graham's departure to Arsenal. Michael made the most of that opportunity, starting the following season alongside Teddy Sheringham, and the goals initially flowed. He was also the youngest player to score a hat-trick for the club against Shrewsbury Town in September 1986. But a spending spree the following summer saw him drop down the pecking order and he was sold to Orient. Um, Michael has been assistant manager of non-league Beckenham Town and has worked as a delivery driver. Now, I had it in my head that Michael Marks scored a hat-trick on his on his day. Was that Trevor Aylott I'm thinking of, listeners? Maybe I'm thinking now aloud. This is not the way to make a podcast. This is You should have all this lined up ready to go, but I'm going to have a quick look at Shrewsbury. Let's have a quick look and see if I can find that. No, I've constructed that. It was a great fantasy whilst it lasted. Listen, I'm completely wrong. 
on both counts. This is why you listen to this show, isn't it? Um, completely incorrect facts. Um, it, Marks, Michael Marks did indeed score a hat trick against Shrewsbury. That much is that much is so. It wasn't his, his debut. He did score goals previously, and Trevor Aylott also played for Millwall. Um, just looking at his account here, his biography. There is Trevor Aylott, uh, 1982-83, 40 games, six goals, um, but no uh, no debut hat trick for for Trevor Aylott. I made the whole thing up, dear listeners. So I'm going to continue with Matt's email, having diverted myself off into the twilight zone with those those two. Um, that's a lovely ball, it's, it, but it's, it's, it's a, a traditional panelled football, the kind you don't really see anymore. Footballs have evolved into these kind of um, World Cup type um, plastic things now. They're supposed to be made lighter. This, this was a lump old school leather football, the kind that will give you Alzheimer's probably in your later years. Um, next item that Matt sent through to me is is a fascinating one. It's it's actually a team sheet from a reserve fixture. Um, he says sixteenth uh, of March, nineteen ninety two. At the time, I was out of work. Managed to get along to a couple of reserve matches at the Den. This was a famous match where supporters were singing "Rioch Out" because we'd lost the weekend before to Portsmouth six one. And even though we won this match, um, Bruce was gone the next day. This was. Um, so it's the Neville Ovenden football combination fixture. Mill versus Portsmouth. Played on Monday the 16th of March 1992. A 2-0 win for Mill over Portsmouth. A 2 o'clock kickoff. So Monday afternoon football. Uh, the Mill team that day is not a bad side actually. It's Keith Brannigan, Andy Roberts, Kenny Cunningham, Ian Bogey, Mark Foran. There's a name from a long time ago. I've, I've forgotten. Mick McCarthy at six. John Colquhoun, who I liked. Good player, John Colquhoun. John McGinley, good striker. Scottish striker. Went on to Bolton. Uh, Tony Dolby and Alex Ray and Paul Kerr. That's not a bad reserve side, listeners. Uh, on the bench for Mill, two players I don't remember. John Hall and Brian Lee. Um, the Portsmouth side, the name, any names that stick out. Gavin Maguire, who would come to Millwall. He's playing at four. Um, Steve Wigley, I remember the name. I remember the name. Uh, Mark Kelly, uh, Mark Chamberlain, playing for Pompey, up at number ten there. Um, so yeah, a two 0 win in the football combination. I think this might have been the season that we won the football combination. I'm going to stick the recording on pause now, listeners. You, it'll be seamless from your point of view. Whilst I check that fact out, because I've made one set of facts up already. I don't want to fall foul and make up an, another set, do I? One second. Yes, indeed. Millwall were football combination champions 1992 to 1993. So that team sheet, which is a single page typed, traditional type, it's got like a, a Millwall Football and Athletic Company 1985 PLC heading. The Den, New Cross, London, SE 145RH, telephone number 071. That's an old code, 071639 Um so it's just a single sheet given away to any spectators that um, paid to get in. Um, and as I say, it's, it's typed out. But this would be a season where we would actually win the football combination, which I mentioned in the previous show the other day, which began originally as a First World War London um, local competition, wartime competition. So yes, yeah, so that's that's a great that's a great souvenir from a championship winning season there, Matt. Um he also mentioned ski hats that I've mentioned on previous shows when I've done these. I haven't done these little shows for a little while. 
Uh, Matt is sure he had a Celtic and Millwall one. Um, but it's now gone to the great acrylic wardrobe in the sky. I like it. Uh, <laughs> um, there we are. So great, um, great choices there, Matt. That's a football signed by the uh, the 87. That'd be the 86, 87 squad. Um, the the newspaper clippings from the 1930s, and I think the, the I think the football combination team sheet, which is folded into a neat four four way fold. I think that's my favourite item of the of the group. Um, and I don't know why. Maybe it's mundanity appeals to me. Um, there we are. So a huge thank you to Matt Richards for that nostalgic stuff. Do send me stuff like this, listeners. Um, I, I try and save them up, and as, as I've done today, I, I do a slightly uh, messy mix-up, mash mash-up type show. Um, but they they work quite nicely where you throw them in with other stuff. You know, um, I'm hoping. This approach finds favour in your 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 ears. Uh, if it doesn't, do let me know. Um, podcasting is a self-indulgent profession at the best of times, so um, I'm hoping you like that particular approach. So a huge thank you for listening to this particular show. I'm speaking ahead of the Good Friday away fixture at Preston for the Lions. Must win if we're going to maintain the surge towards any kind of success for the season. I think if we lose at Preston... That is the Rowett train coming off the tracks again. But if we can win it, then it's onwards to Easter Monday when we'll be back with our next edition of Achtung Millwall. Um, fingers crossed. Keep everything crossed, dear listeners. Thank you for listening. Do appreciate it. And uh, up the Lions. Arrivederci Millwall. To the next show. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Aston Millwall. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a cheeky little review. However, Dutchie Millwall, till next time. Who do you want to watch? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.